How dare you? Together, a group of remarkable people. <laughs> to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. Christmas in May. So Literally good. my birthday's in May. That's gonna be the best birthday ever. It really is. It really is. I'm probably gonna say like 90% of those things all over again. That's okay. We're gonna just keep going through. And we're back. And we're recording. It's all about the Avengers. Or things that were great in 2017. That's our theme for today. And I realized the minute I came up with that theme, it was almost impossible to come up with a list of things that were great about 2017. Basically, the Infinity Wars trailer is the only good thing. And the Black Panther trailer. But it looks like, based on the Infinity Wars trailer, Black Panther is very much like a prequel to Infinity Wars. Because it looks like some shit's going down in Wakanda. Yeah. It's like, great, so Wakanda decided to be like a super insular country for generations and stay out of stuff. And then Winter Soldier, they decide to get involved in the Sokovia Accords. King T'Challa gets killed. Now... They like let a couple of like white guys come home with them, crash on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, there's an intergalactic war happening on their front porch. That's usually the case, right? I'm not just I'm just but saying. But a few people crash on your couch yeah. and shit happens. You it's, don't know what's gonna happen. It's a bad idea. Don't it's, let it happen. It's really bad. They should have just stuck to their own just people. Yeah. Show them the I Airbnb app. Oh, yeah. Airbnb for Wakanda should be, like, <laughs> turned off after this. Yeah, City Council should be, like, no more oh, cold storage rentals. That's a whole other podcast. To previously programmed soldiers <laughs> yeah. after what happened with them attracting the wrong kind of attention. Oh, my God. So, overall thoughts on the trailer? Actually, hold on a second. We're going to get to that. I just need to refill my drink for a hot second. Yeah, I know we just started listening. Stop judging me. All right, listener, um, I just needed to make sure my drink was fresh. As you may be able to hear, I had a cold for uh, approximately two weeks. I wanted to record with Martin much earlier, but now we're so close to the end of 2017. It's uh, almost time for year and wrap-up. And as we were trying desperately to think of good things that <laughs> happened in 2017, uh, one of the, the things at the top of that list for both of us the Venn diagram of where we overlap <laughs> was the Infinity Wars trailer. So let's take a step back, go back to the trailer now that we're done mm -hmm. gushing and ooing and aahing. Um, my overall thought is excitement and happiness that while we got the trailer now, the movie isn't coming out until 2018. Because as much as I don't want to wait for both Black Panther and Infinity Wars, I feel like 2017 doesn't deserve a movie this good because it's been such a trash fire of year. Thoughts? Agree. It is a very trash fiery year. I mean, like even the, even the temperature in Toronto represents the fact that there is a trash fire somewhere around us. Yeah. Because it hasn't snowed yet. No. And when I was fifteen and twelve and nine, I would go trick or treating, and it would be snowing already. And that's like October thirty first, and here we are, like December seventh, December sixth. 
and still no snow. Yeah, I went down to a lighter jacket today, actually. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea how to dress. Yeah, no, my closet is a disaster right now because I have all seasons of clothes in there. I'm literally wearing like a combination. I'm wearing one of those ridiculous like sweaters with the shoulders cut out underneath this. Yeah. But then like a you know light fall bomber, and then like a shell because it was raining uh, late last night over top just in case it starts raining again today. Mm -hmm. Like I. Yeah. Yeah, and fur lined Doc Martin Chelsea boots. Yeah. Hundred percent convinced trash yeah. fire is contributing to global climate change. Yeah. Oh, I like that you, you merge them together, global climate change. Because it is, and again, listener, I'm sorry if you're in any area that was impacted by any kind of like major weather event, hurricane, etc., in the past year, or if you're in Puerto Rico and you just got power back and you're listening to some salty Canadian broad talk about climate change, I understand these are not real problems. Oh no, I had to wear a light jacket in December and you're like just able to like shower with hot water again. These are not, I'm not trying to create a false equivalency here. You have a real problem listener. I had to wear a shell and tomorrow I might have to wear a wool jacket and then two days later I might be wearing right, a can of shell again. Yeah. yeah. Or, or uh, my moose knuckles, whatever, who knows. Yeah. 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 So 2017 has been fucked. And it does not deserve the Infinity Wars movie. No, but it's nice. Which is why yeah. it's being released in 2018. Yeah, it's like Marvel knew they, when they, they did the roadmap. They used the data. Yeah. They went on the interwebs. Ooh. They did some research. They got their best research people, and they said it's 2017, a yeah. good year. It'd be interesting to plot like the release of the movies in the MCU to uh, who was in power in different countries around the world and what was happening weather-wise and other things to see if they gave us the movie they needed right when we needed it. Like, Guardians came out sort of right at the middle of 2017, like Guardians 2, mm -hmm. right when, you know, people just wanted to laugh. I feel like in terms of films, um, Guardians and Girls Trip this summer, spring summer, gave people a reason to just laugh at a time when they really needed it. That was and, hope. Yeah. They gave us hope. A new hope? No, I don't know. Well, last, Star Wars is coming out. We haven't talked about that. Last Jedi looks like it might be a little dark. It doesn't, because the middle ones are always a bit of a bummer, right? You always cut like a mentor in half in one of, in the second <laughs> ones. Spoilers for the entire Star Wars universe. In Somebody's. any trilogy, there's always a master and an apprentice. Uh, your masters uh, previously um, second movies aren't so great for them. Um, going out on any kind of uh, gangplank or precipice, not great for fathers of sons <laughs> of issues. Um, in terms of women, if you meet one and she has a name, odds are she's a main character. And watch so your back in bars in does, general and your front. Does, does, that mean, <laughs> does that mean Luke's going to get cut in half? Because that's, that's the math that I did. Listener, I just spilled my wine all over my sweater. Um, I think <laughs> that we don't know if Luke is Ray's father. Yeah, but Master Apprentice. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Two oh, yeah. folks on an island. Yeah. I feel. He knows some stuff. Yeah. She's learning some stuff. I feel like that's a Master Apprentice situation. Why would she cut him in half? This is terrible. No, Kylo Ren would cut him in half. But. I feel like the only reason he would live to the next movie is because they may have had to do a last minute rewrite 
if there was even time for that. I don't know the timing of the loss of Carrie Fisher. Like they may have had to do like a last minute change, to like have him survive it, or at least have his ghost character be more active in the last movie. If he was already cut in half and they couldn't like rejig things, I don't know. Yeah. But yes, spoilers for Last Jedi. Luke might get cut in half. I don't know that those are accurate. I, they, it's not accurate, but they there's a. Pattern. I'll make a bet with you right now. Hundred dollars, Luke doesn't get cut in half. I hope he doesn't. But if he does, that would be bananas. Oh, but I'd have to give you hundred as well. Why? Well, a bet like normally there's some sort of reciprocal. Yeah. So you're saying Luke gets cut in half? Uh, you know what? I feel <laughs> even though I've never talked about this or thought about it, I feel safe making a bet that, especially because Force Awakens was almost like note for note, like. The, yeah, the if they're going to do versions. anything crazy, yeah. you have to kill Luke. Yeah. But does he get cut in half? Because, okay, so... Because there's a lot of precipices. He's going to get to have a lot of screen time. time, too. I don't know, what's the plural of precipices? Uh, I don't know. I feel like Miyamoto would know that because of Super Mario, because it's all about jumping over precipices. Yeah, he had to use that word like a million times. Yeah, although maybe the Japanese word is one of those weird words that like no one problem. word means like all things. Yeah, yeah, one word to rule them all. Yeah. And in the darkness. I like that you didn't flinch at my reference of Miyamoto. This is like, why were we not friends earlier? Because I, uh, I didn't know you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. I, I was just the weird lady who sat on the couch while you were waiting to interview people. Yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. And have like my stream of consciousness musings about watching human behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And then that like blew my mind because it was like nobody had been real with me for like months. Yeah. And I was like, oh, holy shit. We should yeah. hang out more often. Listener, uh, remind me to hang out with Martin more often. Like, <laughs> not when I'm just recording stuff. Yeah, it's a that good excuse. Be so I've been thinking, so I've been using <laughs> OK Google. Yeah. Which is disappointing me extremely. No, but didn't we put our phones on do not do stuff? I didn't. Recording? I, I just made it look like I did. Ugh. I'm sorry. You're that guy. I'm that guy. <laughs> And uh, it doesn't work when it's off, but I think um, if you had, like, in the next five years, your, like, command to, like, talk to your computer should be yeah. listener. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Versus, like, computer. Yeah. Earl Grey, hot. Oh. It should be, like, listener. Your version wow. will be listener. Yeah. 100%. Star Trek Discovery. That's something that was great this year. We'll, we'll get to that later. Back things. to things. Two things. Two things. Okay, back to Infinity Wars. Um, not to put too much pressure on you. Actually, I don't want to pick one favorite thing because you know what? There were so few things about 2017 that I'd like to relive. I'd say pick any number of favorite things about the Infinity Wars trailer that made you happy, excited, interested, curious. So we won't talk about the spices because we both aren't fans and the fact that one, it appears to be very situational and the timing of it. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But like, things that you liked about it. Okay. Um, Anything that you liked about it. So, I like that I, I saw Loki. Oh, I didn't realize that the first time. I don't know why, but he like slipped through the cracks. So when I watched it with you, I was like, holy shit, he's gonna be in there. And listeners might be like, oh, this person is dumb. <laughs> a lot of things get behind me uh, first time around, which makes me a great recruiter, and I don't have anything to back that up. But So, um, listener, if you're recruited by Martin, you do have a second chance to make a first impression. There's always a second chance to make a first impression of me. Um, so, Loki was really interesting. Um, 
I don't know. I'm a sucker for like really good trailers. And yeah. There wasn't too much wrong with this. Yeah. ScarJo's blonde hair. I yeah. actually liked it. It makes sense. Like, so she's had to probably go on the run after, or not on the run, on like maybe you know more of like a covert situation. Mm -hmm. She kind of played both sides in Civil War. Yeah. And even before that, she burned all of her own like alii, etc. Uh, in Civil War, when she like broadcast all the stuff that had gone down, all the dirt. She's picking the side on this movie. Yeah, I think she's picking the side of like not the purple guy that wants to destroy planets because jewelry. Bruce Willis. He's not Bruce Willis. He's purple Josh Brolin. I'm excited for Bruce Willis to potentially be. I'm excited for Josh Brolin. Thanos. This is the year of Josh Brolin. He's gonna be Cable and Thanos. What was Josh Josh Brolin? Josh 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 Brolin. Yeah. What was he before? I feel like he was in some good movies. I know he was in some good movies. I just can't name any of them right now. Was he in No Country for Old Men? That's a thing. Was he in No Country for Old Men? Or, like or was, was that the guy he played the young version of in uh, Man in Black 3? Javier Bardem was in No Country for Old Men. I don't know if Josh Rowland was. I, you know what, listener? I'm apologizing because sometimes I realize when I record, uh, my typing sounds come up. I'm trying to try to do gentle typing. And we're going to look up Josh Rowland. This is the, the nicest podcast I've ever listened to because there's like a precursor for like small typing. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, like, what's that clickety-click sound? Let's see what Josh Brolin's been in. Sin City. Oh, yeah. That's, that's my, that's where my brain, no country for old men. Yeah. He's in Wall Street. Oh, I didn't see the second Wall Street. No, neither did I. Sicario, he was in that. Maybe that's what I was thinking of instead of him. Avengers um, Age of Ultron. I didn't watch the new Old Boy, even though I was initially excited about the idea of it. Uh, American He's Guess. done a lot of stuff between No Country. Oh, Grand House. He was in Grand House. That was good. Did he? No, he didn't do No Country. No Country? Yeah, he did. He did? Scroll down. I'm scrolling up and down. I'm yeah. scrolling. I don't see him. He was an American gangster. Yeah. I scroll up again. No. You're contrary. Like, so you, when you move your fingers, you're going up. So, but... Oh, he was in No Country, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're right, yeah. So that's probably his he first thing that he was, like, really big. Yeah. Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, I feel like, yeah. was kind of like a, a cinematic mistake, which is why we didn't see it. American Gangster was incredible. Yeah. Um, you Will Meet a Tall, Dark Stranger is an interesting title for a movie. I don't know. To your grit. To your grit. Oh, Jonah Hex. So he has had a bad bounce with comic movies before. But I like that he's coming back, much like a Ryan Reynolds. He's like, just because that one didn't work out, I can come back. Jonah Hex, nobody watched that. Even I couldn't get through it. So I don't even know what you're talking about. Jonah Hex is like, he's like this Western character, and he's like half of his face is like all like, don't like watch the trailer. Like do it on your own time. We're not even gonna like spend time. There. Ryan Reynolds, if Ryan Reynolds, you are listening to this, and I know you are. I remember watching you on my parents tube television, yeah. recognizing that you were a star on Two Guys, A Girl, and, and A Pizza place. place. Like, I knew that shit was legit, and that's why I know I'm a good recruiter, is because had I been an agent at the time, I would have put you in every star movie at the time. Yeah. I walk away from the mic. That's a good point. He was the most hilarious person on television, hands down. True thought. I love it. Sorry. We, so, we digress. Um, I don't think we'll ever finish talking about the Infinity War trailer, but overall we liked it. Um, my favorite things, I like some of the callbacks. 
he sees Colonel Johansson's, I think, character sort of stabbing something with some sort of implement, which brings us back to the Tesseract and Loki's spear. Yeah. Um, you get the voiceover, but with different people using the pieces of it at the beginning. Yeah, that's uh, a nice touch. Love it. Sound person. Love that touch. Sound people. I love mixing some of our favorites from the originals with some of the new people. And so if you think of phase one of the MCU, so you have your Tony Stark with your Doctor Strange, you have your Chris Hemsworth with your Guardians. Like, I like that they mixed some of the old with the new. Yeah. I definitely loved, like, Chadwick Boseman giving everyone orders, but that's just maybe a black thing. But I feel like he gave a pretty good list. Like, if you're looking at, like, a... You know, looking at your priority items and your work back schedule, you know, evacuate, etc., and get this man a shield. Like, I wish I had this guy as a product owner on every project I ever had to, you know, manage or facilitate, because here's a guy who doesn't need help grooming a backlog. That's a podcast we should get. Yeah. You should do that podcast. Yeah, we could call it Get This Man a Shield. Get, or Get This Person a Shield. Get This Person a Shield. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Cheers to that. Yeah, I'm pouring more liquor because I don't want to stop. So overall, I feel like this trailer is giving me hope for the new year. Mm-hmm. 2018 is going to be on It's going to be lit. It's going to be fire, but <laughs> in the good way. The way you use that yeah. emoji, yeah. like when things are good and not the right. way we use them next to a garbage can yeah. to show a trash. Do we have a garbage can emoji? Yeah. How do I feel like that may just be the picture for this? episode like a garbage can emoji and a fire emoji and if there was a garbage can emoji I don't feel like there is I feel like or garbage um, garbage like a small garbage like a a kitchen like a kitchen yeah kitchen made garbage yeah so the other area where we overlap Star Trek Discovery did you watch it you did heard so many good things I've heard so many good things so I don't want to spoil it all for you but this is the part where you escort me out of the building and say, thanks for your friendship, it's over now. Normally, yes. But thanks to most of what happened in 2017, I'm running out of white friends. So. <laughs> you get a pass. <laughs> you used your one. But luckily, <laughs> I have to renew the pass mm-hmm. uh, for Caucasians, cisgendered, heteronormative males every year uh, to stay on my friend list. So I think you'll be okay as long as we don't talk again until... 2018. Yeah, too, yeah. too much. That's fine. A yeah. few months. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's... Right. I don't know if you've ever enjoyed anything in the Star Trek Uber before. I would say... I grew up with it. I grew up with TNG. It's definitely the tone is darker than any of the other ones. But it kind of fits in this year. And I like that the point of view is not from the captains. Like... In all the other ones, it is an ensemble or whatever, but your captain's always sort of your main protagonist. Mm-hmm. I like that this time, or in some cases, if anything, the environment or the ship is the protagonist. To a certain extent, the ship D- is the protagonist? In, to a certain extent, DS9 the was the, the main actor, at least in the pre-defiant um, uh, war stuff of DS9. One could argue. We don't want to... We're not going to do this right another now. another podcast. I'm apologizing. Listen, we're not going to do that. However, I will say in this one, having like the point of view be more like the minion characters and not so much from like your mm-hmm. officer level, yeah. it it's just a, a nice fresh take. And yes, it's a it's a darker, more militaristic, slightly less optimistic view of the future. But honestly, it's pretty reflective. Yeah, tone wise, 
it's maybe not the Star Trek some people wanted, but it's the Star Trek we deserve right now. I'm making a face that says that was gold. I hope this is all recording. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's not because was <laughs> you can cut that part out. No. Nobody needs to announce the fact that that was gold. That you made the gold. equivalent of your like listening on face. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I won't I take a picture again. of that. No, don't. It's bad news. Yeah, we're gonna stick with the garbage bag and fire. <laughs> <laughs> and we digress. <laughs> So basically, I have to watch. You have to watch stuff and things. You have to Discovery. Stuff. There's only eight episodes in the first half of the first season, because they had like a, a break. I don't know when they're starting the second half of the first season. Or I don't even know how things work anymore. There's so much content out there. There's Netflix. There's streaming. There's Amazon. Who cares? Like just watch it. Now when something ends, I'm like, oh my god, what am I gonna do for the next five months of my life? I'm immediately can catch up on one of the twenty things I I watched. Mine Hunter. All the way through, it's like the Netflix thing with Jonathan Groff talking about people in the FBI uh, before they started profiling and stuff. That was I tore through that in a few mm -hmm. days. I went on a real bender, sort of uh, pre uh, becoming a person in the working world again. So you may have, if not time off, some downtime as you're in the middle of a, a life transition. Anything that's queued up in your list of things to watch. Time. Yeah. Introduce some Star Trek as yeah. like a little homage to to like growing up. Like my me and my dad would watch TNG, we watched the DS9, and then things got fuzzy. Life started happening, and I just didn't even watch any television. But like I grew up, but like what's what's the I don't know the, not enough of a fan to like know the guy's name, but he does like uh, YouTube videos about board games now. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Yes. Um, yeah, like I remember the one episode that sticks out in my mind, which freaks the shit out of me, is the one where they get taken over by these super addictive games. Like this is pre-cell phone. It's called The Game. Uh, it also featured a young Ashley Judd as Robin Leffler, uh, almost Wesley Crusher's first girlfriend, kind of. And he probably could have smashed that if they hadn't got stuck playing that super addictive game. Insert mind-blown <laughs> gif here. That's, yeah. I'm sorry. That's so good. Yeah, that, that episode stuck with me. I it feel like when I say something out. like that, my tattoo starts, like, burning. <laughs> <laughs> it's just glowing round, yeah. round, round, yeah. round. Yeah, so we're Gene Roddenberry's, like, spirit. It's like, you know, satisfying, kind of, like, settling in his grave, like the opposite of rolling in your grave. Like, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, she's just doing a fist pump in the grave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or an approving nod. Yeah. Approving nod. Yeah. That's much better. Or like a wink. Yeah. But yes, pre Candy Crush, pre whatever, the game, that episode of TNG. Farmville. Yeah. Definitely more of a Candy Crush game. Yeah. Like, that's basically Candy Crush. Yeah. Are there blog posts about that? I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There may be a LinkedIn post about that. I'm actually starting to read more content on LinkedIn that people are posting. Because uh, Twitter, like everything else in 2017, got super dark. And I still went there for news, but some days I just couldn't take it. And I'm still on Instagram, but I also like called some of my Instagram interactions just under self-care. 
But I feel like LinkedIn, for the most part, people kept it professional, and a few people that I've seen post like weird stuff or political stuff. Honestly, on either side, I haven't necessarily disconnected with everyone, but I have muted a lot of people that post things that I find emotionally problematic. So, yeah, there, a lot of people do nerd-based analogies on LinkedIn. I did one. I did like a Game of Thrones-based one around scrum mastering called I am the shield that guards the realms of men. Because that's what I felt like. I had a team full of dudes and I was their shield. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. Why haven't I read this harder? I don't know. But speaking of things that happened on LinkedIn that I found out about, one of the best things that somebody I know did in 2017 is your app. I'm not just saying that to be nice, because as you know, listener, I'm not that nice. Tell uh, people about your app. And I think we talked about it last time, but it was like in the inception phases, but now it's out there in the world. So before I do that, I'm yeah. just going to hand over this imaginary award for like literally the best segue of 2018. Where are we? We're 2017, yeah. I'm just going to just gonna give you the best segue of 2017. And I'm going to use it to roll down the hall to the bathroom because <laughs> it's pretty far from here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, what would you like me to tell you about this thing? So your app is called Unbiasify. Unbiasify. Uh, Unbiasify.com, spelled in a normal way, not with like numbers or something. Uh, so if you want to look it up, Google or a listener. It's like Shopify, yeah, but, um, but unbiased plus ify, which is usually ify, yeah. ify.com. And this application, is there a cost to use it? No. Uh, do you need a special kind of device or browser or machine to use it? You need to use a Chrome browser for now. And what does this device help you do? For now, yeah, uh, it is an open source, and it will always be open source. Uh, it's an open source Chrome extension, so it's a great code base for first-time contributors in an open source environment to contribute to. Uh, but basically, the Chrome extension lets you hide people's profile pictures and hide people's names on LinkedIn, Twitter, and AngelList which are, well, two of the three are really predominant places for sourcing candidates. So if you're a recruiter or an HR professional, you will go to these places and you'll look for candidates or you'll screen for candidates. Unbiasify allows you to look at people without judging them based on what their profile picture looks like or what their name insinuates. So that's so what Unbiasify does, yeah. I just thought of one other application. Mm -hmm. that I can't remember the name of, even though we talked about it earlier, where you rent rooms from strangers. Airbnb. Right. Roomsfromstrangers.com. <laughs> that, does that exist? We'll look it up after. Because I want to buy that, and uh, then just redirect to Airbnb and get some sort of affiliate marketing thing going on. Yeah. We digress. Domain's wedding. That's so 1990. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like that would also be good for that, for people who may or may not realize that they have some kind of a cautious bias in their uh, renter selection process. Like, there's, it, there's many applications, but that's one where there has been a lot of news around mm -hmm. it being harder for certain people to rent. It's funny, I worked at a place where 
I was pricing travel for a team for an engagement, and one of the things I found out we didn't have like a corporate Airbnb account, and it would have been cheaper, possibly more efficient to have some sort of dwelling for us to have in addition to, you know, hotel rooms or people who were just going to be in and out or for um, people of the opposite gender that I wouldn't want to put in a house with a bunch of dudes because. Thank you, 2017. You know why that's a problem right now. I don't have to explain it to you. But um, when I found out we didn't have a corporate one, and then I had somebody in management ask me, like, well, why don't you just open an Airbnb account? And I didn't even want to explain, uh, here's why this is going to be extra work for us to get, like, the nice place, you know, rented for a month for, like, a bunch of weird terms of, like, people will be dropping in and out if I create a profile versus somebody else here just doing it for me. I just feel like the knowing that there would be an app like yours in between me and booking that would have been, I would have just done it and possibly saved that whole enterprise, you know, a couple of grand over a period of a month of, you know, travel and accommodations. And then somebody would have been able to get that money and like whether or not they have some like personal bias or whatever, like we just needed places to stay. Like, that would have been handy to have. But knowing what I already knew about Airbnb at that point, I was just like, we're so busy right now. I don't have time to, like, A, deal with trying to find somebody who's not going to be a jerk about this, and or explain to management why I need somebody else who doesn't look like me to create this account. Yeah. Yeah. So I wish your app had been around forever. Who knows? It should be embedded. Yeah. And that's the reason it exists, because I've reached out to the, a few companies and said, like, hey, wouldn't it be good if... Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? Bum, 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 Beach bum, Boys, bum. whatever. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they don't have time for it, despite their billions of dollars. Yeah. Or they secretly don't want to use it. Hmm. That would be kind of messed up. And but that's 2017. That's 2017. Kind of messed up. Yeah. Not even kind of. Kind of is definitely an understatement. Yeah. Um, so, it was... So you made this, you put it out. I didn't make it. It was an idea that I had that I introduced to a developer at a company. So you're part of the team that created this. I said, hey, do you think this is possible? And they said, that's easier than you think. They made something, and then we forgot about it for a little bit. I went over to a company called StackAdapt, and uh, they released a video called Hack Diversity, and that sort of revitalized my interest in the app that we were, or the idea that we were working on previously. And I said, hey, we've got this thing. Can we, can we expand upon it? And they gave me the space to do it, and they said, run with it. We had a co-op from University of Waterloo and she jumped in and uh, she did some amazing stuff with the app and took it to the next level and now uh, someone from TWG in Toronto is sort of helping us get on GitHub and doing all the technical things so that... How's it look and feel like usability? I know a few cats. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let me know. Shopify is using yeah. it. Um, they're using it on their talent team. Uh, Mars, the Mars Discovery District team, is exploring it as a tool to educate people on unconscious bias. So I can't sit here and say, hey, it's changing the world. But what I can say is when people use it, they recognize that they look at candidates differently. 
Do you have more black friends now? I have like seven more black friends. No, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't that's not a thing. I, that I might change know. in 2018. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, once, once we find out about it. Is that like a news resolution I should make? I feel like it's a resolution that everyone should make. Or to not lose the ones you have. And also How to, am I doing on that front? Uh, you're doing all right right now. Yes. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me that it took this long for somebody to create like sort of a purpose-driven sort of add-on plug-in for all the tools people use to screen. On the flip side, it's so surprising to me that this hasn't it's not surprising to me that this hasn't happened because the biggest challenge in getting people to give up an idea or a feeling is to present them with data in a way that doesn't make them recoil or feel threatened or feel angry or feel criticized, that they were doing things in a way that didn't make sense. And one of the things that um, I like to do or try to do if I'm at least on a project at its inception is talk about the different things that we have access to as a team around data to help make data-driven decisions versus fields-based decision. And it's not that you know your gut or your ideas should never be involved because if they weren't, you would have never come up with this idea mm -hmm. and then kept you know bringing it to people to help you actually realize it. On the flip side, some of those other decisions that happen everything from day to day or, you know, with regards to screening candidates, or choosing who gets to stay in your house, or whatever, having some kind of data around how you've been making those decisions and having that presented to you helps you understand um, your behavior and not necessarily ascribe a value judgment to it, but gives you some insight into things that you may not be aware of. And I think that's not a bad thing. And when you're looking at decisions around designing a site or making a call to actions or anything, um, data is often the great decider, divider, kind of the great beef settler, if you will. The great beef settler. Yeah, can you imagine? If, if they had some kind of analytics around um, certain things during the Source Awards back in the day, who knows? How we could still have Biggie and Tupac alive right now. We'll never know. Data can squash beef. And I love that your app helps to allow people on a personal level to learn things about how they make decisions and make, you know, yeah. if not even changes, just more informed decisions so that they don't have that kind of reflexive reaction of, oh, we just didn't get any candidates like that. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. But, and maybe it's not your fault, but maybe it's the three people before you didn't let them through because of whatever. Yeah. So if you're only ever presented with a very, you know, artwork that Kingpin would buy kind of canvas in terms of your options. So much time. <laughs> and we're back to the MCU. extended Netflix television MCU folks. You can only make so many choices. However, understanding the whole filtering process even before something gets to you and understanding that even bias can be coded into that, literally coded, mm -hmm. um, and how you can help alleviate that, it's a whole new world. I think my biggest challenge... Michael Adam 
early in my career was how surprised people were by my competence. And it was just because so few people like me had managed to slip through the cracks. Yeah. Like now there's more, but there weren't always. And you've actually helped create something that is making another crack in, you know, all the barriers to access. Cracking like ideas, ideally. Because I don't think that what we have is a solution. <clears throat> I don't think it's a solution. It's not going to fix. You could apply it to dating apps, too. So then you actually, even on your hookup apps, find people who are more likely uh, to, some like, sue you or whatever. Like, you your it could be used for, yeah. like, you came yeah. up with, like, from your point of view, but it could be used for, like, so many different things. Yeah. So you end up actually even having a one-time smash interaction with somebody who's more likely to be aligned with you on like views to regardless of their background. Mm -hmm. Um yes, yeah, certain things like attractiveness or whatever, you're still gonna look into that after. But your your default swipe left and rights could be based on the data in their profile first, and then the subset of people that are presented to you, you know that they match to certain things. Well, it was nice knowing you. Please hire me when you start that company because it's going to be a bajillion dollars. No, somebody's going to steal that. Listener, when you steal that idea. When you steal that idea. Just break me off a piece so I can, <laughs> so I can wet my beak. <laughs> break me off a piece. Here's the thing. You're, you're, kid cat bar. you're a young cat. Often people say, oh, when you start a company, it's like, I have barely managed to stay in the industry I'm in. I have so little energy left to start something. Although I, I do realize it's easier now. All the tools out there. It's always, like yeah, it keeps getting easier. Yeah. Air quotes, listener. It's easier to make a movie now. You can just do it with your phone. It's easier. When's to, the last time Blair Witch came out? Yeah. It doesn't happen. It's Although, not easier. The guy who made Tangerine just came out Florida Project, which is already in you know, the if not the Oscar level talks, the Independent Spirit Award talks. You lost me. So Florida Project uh, is directed by the same person who did Tangerine, where I believe shot a lot of it. If not on a phone, like on something similar, um, most of the people in Tangerine were not actors. It was like an indie film. This year, Florida Project came out. It was also a TIFF. Uh, one of the people in it was William Defoe, but most of the other main uh, characters were non-actors. This is a film where the bulk of the story, I think if not all of it, takes place in an actual functional um, kind of motel where people live near Disney World. And it sort of looks at the lives of these people sort of on the fringes of society where you have this giant corporate machine just around the corner and you have people who are living, you know, interesting lives just on the edges and periphery of that. Uh, William Defoe is already in talks for like some of the acting awards, like he may not be nominated for some of the big ones, but who knows? And he's already in that. So like a documentary. Oh, it's not a documentary, it's no. like a fictional thing. It's but a yeah. fictional thing. But, it, but, but the guy like who directed it was- Largely documentary. Or kind of, like, there's a lot of improv. Like, there's a scripted story. Like Willem Dafoe plays somebody that probably exists. Or uh, an architect or somebody who exists. But, like, the, the other people that he has, like the children especially, and some of the other characters around Sotel, they had, like, you know, you do this, you do that, this is happening. But what they were doing and what they said and whatever, that was, like, kind of organic to them. He's won a million awards by now, yes? I don't know if he has. That I'm curious about that. Yeah, I don't know if you'll get the, the Gary Oldman, why everyone given this guy an Oscar yet, instead of Gary Oldman, who will also probably be up this year for The Darkest Hour, where I think he plays Winston Churchill or something. Apparently that did well. Wait, what? Gary Oldman was in No, movie. he didn't. Yeah, and apparently no, it was amazing. Didn't. Yeah. 
And how, like, someone did he pull like a reverse Christian bail? You know what, listen, we're gonna pause and we're gonna look for a trailer of Darkest Hour and then we're gonna hear Martin's reaction to it. Because we have gone quite a while without a break and we have to open the other bottle. And we're about to watch The Darkest Hour. Uh, ideal title for The Darkest Year. Or, as they would say of community, <laughs> The Darkest Timeline. Let's go. <laughs> oh, fuck. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and suffering. Even though many old and famous states have fallen into the grip of the Nazi rule, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. For without victory, there can be no survival. That's two minutes and 20 seconds of craziness. So. You didn't know that was a thing that had happened. I didn't know that that was a thing. Gary Oldman. It's a long way from the fifth element. So this might be his year to win his Oscar because that. And so I know people have seen it. it. It was a tip. It's not out, out yet or it may be coming out now, but I know people saw it too. They were actually like, this is legit good. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And some people, this was their favorite movie of Jeff. Hmm. Yeah. Not surprised. And I feel like, it's weird, like if I was going to do like a triple header of like, you know, stuff that old white guys would like, uh, or stuff that young people who love, you know, Call of Duty World War II like, you know, it would be this, uh, King's Speech, and then like uh, Dunkirk. Speech. And we have some gas in the tank because this is like very much like the guy that I forget who the actor's name was playing when he's like, I invite you to become whatever. That's the Colin Frick character from King's Speech. 
uh, George, whatever the right, yeah, right, Elizabeth's right, dad. right, yeah, yeah. No, they're definitely. He had a bit of a speech thing happening. Mm. Yeah, they're definitely playing off a thing that worked in the past. Yeah, yeah. He's even a little talky talky room. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. So I watched the most recent Luc Besson film. I did not see that. I was excited initially and came out at a time when I was going through kind of a daydreaming nest of blankets thing. So I didn't watch it. Tell me how it was. It was interesting. <laughs> it was very him. Yeah. Right? Like, you're like, oh. Was Jean Reno in it? Because he's another one that Luc Besson likes to use over and over again. Do you know who Jean Reno is? No. You may know him from such films as The Professional, or Ronin, or... My memory, like, uh, I'm a terrible he's person like a, to be on this podcast. He's like a French dude with, like, a raspy voice and, like, a scraggly beard. That describes all French dudes. Sorry, all French dudes. But, anyway, was there a guy like that? Like, a... He was, in the, he was in the Da Vinci Code as, like, the main cop that was hunting down. Main Tony. cop. Yeah. Like, so I'm terrible. I'm the worst person to have on your podcast. He was I'm in the big I'm so group. grateful to be on it. But, like, literally I have the mind of a goldfish. So, like, Tom Hanks was in the Da Vinci Code. That's literally all I know. Okay. I just, as you already know, I'd say is one of the roles he's most known for as a professional or a Leon. This is like a very oh, I know him. I know him. I know okay. him. He was not in it. That's a surprise, because he's in most... Uh, what was he in? Joints. In uh, The Fifth Element. Oh, maybe he wasn't. Although I feel like... I don't feel like he was there. If Unless he was one of like, if the... If Luke Besson had complete control over the looking, budget, yeah. I almost feel like the Bruce Willis character was intended to actually be Luke Besson. But he probably needed like a North American Wouldn't actor. Wouldn't that have been it. much better? It would have been better. I don't know. Uh -huh. Bruce Willis, you uh -huh. did a good job. But he basically wore like suspenders and a beater in the professional and had an inappropriate relationship with a woman with a bit of a bob much younger than him. Okay, I'm gonna make a plug. <laughs> I'm gonna make a plug to my instead of lattes comic because I have like a legit comic where so just go to instead and just scroll down for a bit because there's a comic based on the fifth element. And if you haven't seen it, it's pretty good. Yeah. But it's terrible. But now we need to do like a side by side with Fifth Element and the professional and be like, let's look at the similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then that's March. Yeah. Or maybe March that will be the picture for this podcast like a side by side of uh, Lulu and Corbett Dallas. Lulu Dallas. And I said multipass like a week ago. Multipass. Yeah. Multipass. And Leon. Nobody got it. And. It just fell on dead. Deaf ears. Oh. Dead ears? That's, That's always a bummer. Freaky. So my new work friend did once say to me, do you recognize this line in the quote of line from a movie? I always feel like it's a test. And I recognized the movie, but I didn't 100% recognize the scene and the character. But it was a, my name's Paul, and this is between y'all. That was a line from fiction. I was, I think, in the bar where you had um, Bruce Willis and um, some other people interacting in one of those uh, 
situations where you had a bit of an overlap between the storylines. And I recognize it, but I, I did like that I realized I was now that person for that person. So for you, at your new place, when you start, you're going to like drop the odd culture reference, unintentionally sometimes, and then you're going to sort of clock who actually shows who gets inside it, of recognition. You people are my people. Yeah, I've become that person for someone unintentionally. Mm -hmm. right? Just, yeah. And then now they're like verifying, like, how, how far can I go with this person? How many more pop yeah. culture references can I go? I used to work for someone in one of my first jobs with a chair where most of our conversations were entirely pop culture references. It was all, you know, Dharma gets a lot. Like, we did not, everything that we said was a pop culture reference and how we would have almost whole conversations, either quoting lines or referencing things or whatever, and not since that person I've ever been able, and our interests and things we'd seen and liked and remembered overlapped enough that we were able to do that. But even now, that's we don't, beautiful. Yeah, it was, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that like I'm legit jealous. Yeah, I used to report to him. Relationship. I he was one of the many people I thought about when I was recently asked, "Have you ever liked a boss?" And I, <laughs> I had a moment of not just have I liked, I've loved. I'm still friends with. I've been to their children's birthday parties, but he was one of the ones where we just like. You're on the same level. Yeah. That's uh, that's. You and far between. Yeah. You can't that too. You can't get that too often. Yeah. So at your new place, you have to drop some like generic ones, and then you have to go deeper. But sometimes you find yourself saying one you don't realize that you're saying like a really deep pull, and then somebody reacts to it you don't even remember. It's become part of your lexicon. Like the reason I joined. Not the reason, but one of the major reasons was because I was such a fan of Fight Club as a kid. And my friend saw it, and he's like, hey, you should watch this movie. It's kind of weird. I don't get it. And then I watched it. I was like, this is pivotal. I don't, like, this hit me like a sledgehammer. And that's the reason I was cool with going to where I'm going now, because it kind of messes with the whole existing system that it, that exists. So was your interview process like standing outside their office for days until they decided to let you in? That would be really cool. Did you have to grow memories? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Bob. Bob. Bob has. Bob has pitched it. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, well, well, Bob is also Meatloaf. Yeah. And I'm only quoting a movie. I'm not saying it myself. Um, it might not edit it out. Depends on how tired I am when I post this. <laughs> um, no, it was a great movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we're going with this. but that Finding that, that person or those people who allow you to communicate in your native tongue, which is pop culture references. And that the pop culture references you're making... So you're at home now. ...resonate with them. You're at home now because somebody made a pop a Pulp Fiction reference. Uh, not even that. They made other references, but like they then tested me further, and I enjoyed that. And I and I know that depending on the audience, I can do that now. And so I can. Everybody watches movies. You can never be your one hundred percent true self at the office, because ultimately, aren't we all to some degree an element of Al Bundy on the couch with his hand down in front of his pants? 
you don't want to be that at work. However, how close you can get to that at your place of work where you spend more time than you do at home, that's without offending people or making other people uncomfortable and with being efficient and effective and delivering value every day, that's something you should strive to find. Or, as the social justice warriors call it, a safe space. I hold up two fingers for a little bit right there yeah. because that's two times that you've dropped solid gold on this podcast. Yeah, this whole recording is probably not going to work less there. No. I've been way too deep. Yeah. No, I'm, it's so good. Yeah. Deep in content and deep in tone of voice. Again, still have a bit of a cold. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah. That's, that's how good this is. All right, I love it. That's, but, that's how I feel. So your pop culture references, like... I've been in, in a meeting once where something went wrong or off the rails, not here, previous job, and I think I did the, not like this, not like this. <sighs> right, and somebody reacted to that. They didn't react as visibly as you right now, but I was like, okay, so that's my person at this place. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. You need that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because that was me being like in my head, my unfiltered true self. Because <laughs> secretly. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. That's incredible. That's that's another podcast. Yeah. Like I would love to talk about. So just the other day in a meeting, um, we were talking. Uh, it was weird. I had accidentally assembled. A bunch of people Let from. Assemble. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on to the. <laughs> Continue. A, a bunch of uh, Latinx individuals on the creative side of an engagement, and they were talking to a person who was not from that part of the world, and you know, happy, friendly, half mocking, of like, yeah, I'll clean up all your work for you because blah blah blah, and then. They were talking about, you know, you know, how immigrants are hardworking, and I threw out the immigrants, we get the job done, from Hamilton, and you, some of you listeners may also know it from the Hamilton mixtape, where there's a rap version of it that involves um, many contributors, including uh, Riz Ahmed, you may know him from the night of, the night before, I don't know, whatever, we're going to watch it. Point is, that line, that guy knew it, and he recognized it. So we don't have a lot in common because he's uh, more on the young guy who thinks that based on my background or how I dress, I would like hip-hop way more than I do. But I mostly have been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack over the past three years and or the mixtape. But where our Venn Circle diagrams overlap is Lin-Manuel's Miranda's whole oeuvre and that one song that was uh, redone by a bunch of rappers, including somebody that he actually listens to for fun. I'm just going to show you something that I need to text you later, but okay. I'm going to text you right now. IRL. Nice. That's incredible. Yeah. What you've just done. So we're going to take another break. We're going to see if we're even going to talk anymore, just do a wrap up of one more thing. I feel like based on the time, um, and the amount of wine, honestly, and how hungry I am. We might just do one more thing. I've been thinking about pizza for like at least 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah, me too. Pizza and or steak. Is that bad? I'm down. 
Okay, well, we're going to pause. I'm going to make uh, Martin watch um, the immigrants video uh, from the Hamilton mixtape, and then we're going to wrap it up. Listener, I just made Martin watch um, some snippets from the Hamilton mixtape. He was unaware that it existed. I actually was going to put on my list of top things that happened in 2017 until I checked the dates and realized it was actually released in 2016. 2016 I, was much better than 2017. And Hamilton was even before that. And I realized I just have been listening nonstop to the Hamilton, either original soundtrack or mixtape, for the past two to three years. Basically, after I finished with the new D'Angelo album and the last Kendrick, not the current Kendrick album, being on repeat, that are, that are, those are, my they most are? played albums on my iTunes, I just verified. So, that's why it happened. Uh, Martin was entertained, I would say somewhat, by the Immigrants video, as well as a live performance that involved Busta Rhymes of My Shot. Uh, but for uh, musical nerds, you are aware that the originals also have that same flavor and rapper-like cadence with your original Broadway performers if you have the soundtrack, which was also a top seller. So glad I could introduce you to that. So if you saw me cheer dancing at work sometimes back in the day when we overlapped, I was actually bumping to that. You probably thought I was listening to some super hella hard shit. I was actually listening to a Broadway musical version of the song you just heard. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, we were usually sitting on a couch. Yeah, we were. You were usually... My headphones were out when I talked to you more often yeah. than other people. It was a very kind consideration. Yeah. But, no, everything you just showed me was awesome. Uh, and seeing Busta... When this musical comes to town, like, if you got this ticket for your lady, that would be, like, a pretty baller movie. Even if she hates musicals, because it's going to be a hard ticket to get. Them. It's going to be them. similar to, like, um, Avenue Q or um, the Mormon thing or whatever. Like, when those came to town, Literally those were hard tickets to get. Those. I love those. I saw those when They're they finally came here. So this is going to be the equivalent okay, of that when it comes here. all over the place. When it comes here. It's going to be the equivalent of that. Well, we all yeah. need to go see that. We should. We should see it together. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Broadcasting. Yeah. Oh. oh all alone. Yeah. Because I, I was initially even toying with the idea of going to get last minute tickets to see it in the States. But um, due to not wanting to travel to the States unless it's for work, uh, until, you know, stuff and things are safer, I dropped that initiative because it's still over like I think seven to eight hundred US dollars to get a decent like seat last minute for not even last minute but like sort of last minute ish for Hamilton New York even though almost I think not almost like the bully ball of the original cast is gone. Hmm. So most of the original cast started to leave gradually as they do. As they do. After the Tonys when they won. Once you win yeah, but also it's like a grind. Like you're doing, you know, how many shows a week plus a matinee. It's so it's just I don't physically. know how you can do that every day and make every audience feel like they're the only one. Yeah. So Leslie Odoms, I think, was one of the earlier ones to leave who uh, played um, Burr. Um, Lin-Manuel sort of stayed on office for a bit. He just did, like, a, I think a benefit performance in Pepperico. Did or is planning to do, like, of him playing Hamilton in the main production. Um, David Diggs, as I mentioned, has you know left to do a bunch of other stuff, 
and mostly Elgin sisters, including Philippa Sue. Uh, they love to do other uh, activities, including other major musicals. I think Philippa Sue loved to do the Broadway version of Amelie. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah, there was a Broadway version of Amelie. Wait, what? Yeah, it didn't blow up like this, but... I didn't see that yeah. personally because I was like, definitely top five all movies of all time. Oh my god, I love Amelie. It was the greatest movie of all time. I have a friend. But it's not. It's but like, like literally, I've never seen a movie like that. That was my first French movie. Yeah, and it's so French. It was the kind of movie that made a lot of dudes probably just really like French girls. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of like dark-eyed, mysterious, like pouty, smart thing. Yeah. I, I'm not. She's like almost like the proto Manning Pixie dream femme. I don't know where to go from here. Yeah. But like, literally, that was a fantastic movie. Yeah. Like, just hands down. I don't know. Hands down or hands down your pants? I feel like the way you smile is like a whole Amelie thing that we don't want to unpack right now. That's another podcast. Pun intended. <laughs> no, seriously, like, Amelie was. I can't stop raving about Amelie. It's really good. Such a good movie. Yeah. But not like a, I need to put my hands down my pants kind of movie. Like, it's legit. I don't even know who directed it, because I'm a terrible person, but I don't know. I don't know why we're talking about Amelie right now. That's the thing. Like, I watched that movie like 10 Oh, because one of the people ago. who played the one of the female leads, um, the woman who married uh, Alexander Hamilton in this musical, went on to play, I believe, the lead in the uh, Amelie musical. They didn't know existed, and that's how we got here. Yeah. 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 I feel like listener knows this because they have Listener it. is educated and I am not. Or they had a meal and not a bottle of wine, but whatever. That's true. Yeah. But still. Yeah. That movie's been fantastic. Yeah. I had it on VHS. Yeah. I was on Columbia House. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And Amelie was like literally my first pick. So, listener, we're going to recap. 2017 was a trash fire every year. <laughs> and... Amelie did not come out in 2017. However, a lot of good things did uh, happen this year, including me becoming a real-life outside daytime job friends with Martin. Actual real high five that he did quite well. And some trailers for some great movies that are coming out in 2018, happened in 2017, including Infinity Wars that we just talked about. And Black Panther that Mel and I talked about on a previous podcast at some length. And Martin's at. On Vicefy.com. Things I'm thankful for in 2017. Right, fine. It wasn't the worst year ever. However, I feel like it could have been better. And back to you, Puerto Rico listener, who just got power back again. We have nothing to complain about. Apologies again. 2017 could have been better. 2017, 18. I'm not gonna say it can't be worse because I don't want to jinx the universe. However, it'd be 2018 would have to really try hard to be worse than 2017 in terms of revealing some of the challenges of our fellow humans and also from a weather perspective and also from a other change perspective. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your app. I'm thankful for your time. 
I'm thankful for all the same things except the app. Yeah. Because I haven't heard that you have an app. No. No, I just have like a podcast that I don't update often though. The podcast is incredible and I'm very grateful to be on it. Alright. And that's where we'll end. We're gonna go have some pizza and or steak. <laughs>